0: Having said that, the sound quality is bad last week, so I'll put it in my pocket. Okay, so we're going to continue on this week, this is the last of reflections Reflections the sabbatical. Rooted in Christ, rooted in His Word, rooted in Christ as a confessional Lutheran, as being faithful to His Word, and now we're going to continue on with, with, with Luther today, and then rooted in Christ so that I might serve Him in the vocations God has given me, okay? And so we'll talk about that a little bit later on, but we want to continue with Luther. Sure. And yes. So are there any questions or comments from last week? And I do have one one clarification. I did I did some research. Questions or comments? Yes. Well, I wasn't actually here last week, but I think you turn your phone over. If I turn my phone over, it actually works better. The mic is on the bottom, I think. So no. uh, up. Yes. No, I think you, you are right, because I hear the sound coming out of it when I, when I, play, when I play songs. Okay, thank you. So the, the question was, or the comment, I made a comment making it seem like like Wittenberg, you know, University of Wittenberg, quickly um, did not confess true Lutheran doctrine, which is true. Between um, Luther's death and the formula of Concord, and this is, is the occasion for the Formula of Concord. Wittenberg, there were false teachers at the University of Wittenberg. They were rooted out in the early 1570s, and hence we had the Formula of Concord to address those issues in which they were speaking false doctrine, especially on the Lord's Supper and the nature of, of Christ, the two natures of Christ. We see these in the in the Formula of Concord. Luke, um, there were some other problems, but then. But then pretty much the University of Wittenberg remains a steadfast, truly Lutheran university and its faculty, and its the theological faculty, truly Lutheran, until much later on when the general problems of rationalism and, and stuff like this creeps up all over Europe, okay? So Wittenberg, and I, I clarified all this, I did a little bit of research and then I, 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 I had, it's hard for me to find the resources in my library and, and even on, online. but. Um, um, Dr. Kolb, who is a, this Luther scholar, uh, helped bailed me out. So thank you very much. So in Torgau, which is a short distance um, from Wittenberg, is, is a place, and in Torgau, okay, again, historically. Okay, 1521, Luther says, here I stand before the emperor. Well, he was expecting what? To die. Just like John Huss, 100 years earlier, um, had expected to die. But he's whooshed off to, to uh, Wartburg, and why doesn't the emperor do this? Well, the emperor was also king of Spain and also the Turks. And so in 1529, the Turks were at the gates of Vienna in Austria. Well, it's not Austria, it's the Holy Roman Empire. That creates problems for the emperor, right? And so he cannot deal with Luther and Lutherans until 1530 at the Diet of, of Augsburg. To prepare for the Diet of Augsburg, Luther, Melanchthon, and the other Lutheran scholars gathered in Torgau, and on this corner wrote something called the Torgau Articles. Well, in between the Torgau Articles and Augsburg, uh, the Roman Catholics uh, essentially tried to put the, 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 the Lutherans in with all these radical groups, and so we had to come up with a new document, hence the Augsburg Confession in Torgau is the first genuinely Lutheran church. In other words, all the other churches were already built and now repurposed, um, and the liturgy had been reformed. Luther had two reformations of liturgy, one that still had Latin in it for town churches, but then for the German German mass, which is essentially Divine Service 5 in our hymnal. Divine Service 3 is an English version of kind of that service that Luther reformed um, in 1523, for, that was, still had Latin, but ours is obviously in, in English. Okay, so so here you see the pulpit, and the pulpit is is, is a very ornately, it, it, it speaks that we're gonna speak God's word, and I've actually stood in that pulpit, not preach a service, um, but um, I, I've actually stood in that pulpit. The other pastor in, 15, in, in 2016, he got to preach from that pulpit. Um, and so uh, this, is, this is Coburg. Luther could not go to the Diet of Augsburg. Why? Because Augsburg outside of Saxony. What happens if he leaves Saxony? He's dead, right? And so, so Luther goes as far south as he can, and, and the emperor, uh, no, his elector, not his emperor, but the elector had this marvelous um, um, castle in Coburg. And so this is the Coburg uh, castle, and I don't know if... These exact buildings were there, but but we'll see part of it that was. This is part of the Coburg. You can see the elector. This is all pieces of wood. I mean, just it's, I just had to show this. to like 120,000 pieces of wood inlay in, in this room. Just, it just blows you away to be inside this room. Anyone does any woodwork, you just be ah, you know. So um, so so I, this is a painting at the time of the Reformation. There you got John the Steadfast, Jesus Christ, and Martin Luther. You know, so so just kind of um works that um. Um, and so, but, but obviously we want to preach Jesus Christ. These are, in the Coburg, this is actually one of the rooms that has been, um, up, you know, remodeled, well, to be back as Luther would have had it. This is where Luther would have stayed. Okay, and you see, I don't know if you can see, uh, that's the other end of the room. And yeah, I, I didn't show where the stove is, because you have to remember there's no such thing as central heating and all, all rooms have like a little stove in the corner because wintertime it gets cold. Right? And this is in northern Germany. So that's where Luther is. So Coburg. Okay, questions, comments. We've, we've covered Luther. And, and the idea is, is right here with Coburg. Can you imagine being Martin Luther and not being finding out what's going on at Augsburg? Right? Now, now they'd have messengers back and forth. And he did, obviously, he approved of the Augsburg confession. But can you imagine a man of, like Luther, you know, because he's just always quiet and pensive and he has. Completely patient with everything. It's just, you know, just, no, can you imagine what, what he, I bet you he, he paced back and forth in this, these rooms or, or went in the gardens. I don't know how many, he probably did, you know, 20 miles a day. I mean, he probably was going crazy thinking what's going on in Augsburg, what's going on in Augsburg, June 25th, which, which probably if we're thinking seriously, besides we need another reason to party, right? Fifth, in 2030 on June 25th, we need to have our big 500th anniversary party. Because, you know, we are the church of the Augsburg Confession. And so, I, I, I'm just saying that. I, 2017 is fine with me. But, but, you know, if you read the 95 Theses versus reading the Augsburg Confession, you'll see that the that, that Lutheran theology had progressed. And I think 1530s really we are the church of the unaltered Augsburg Confession. And, and so, now this is where Luther died, his death house. And... Um, and it's very moving account. Um, he repeated over and over again on his deathbed, John 3, 16. You know, um, the pastors with him, asked if he, if he believed he was a sinner, gave him confession absolution, and he confessed Jesus Christ. He was, he, Luther had severe heart problems, I mean, you know, as well as other health problems. I mean, it's just utterly amazing. When he writes the small called articles, um, 1530, 630, and then um, um, Luther is generally writing and thinking this is what, what he's going to write until, you know, because he's dying. This is 10 years earlier. And so Luther's health was already broken in his 50s. He dies at age 62 in um, um, and, and Eisleben. The irony is, is that it's the same town where he was born, right? And of course, the, 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 the difficulty was is why is he in Eisleben? Because he's having to settle a dispute between two noblemen. He'd meet a mediator in the middle winter traveling not feeling good and there he dies and confesses jesus christ i told you about how his um rigor mortis sets in and so his right hand as soon as he dies goes into this shape right here because luther was writing all the all the time so anyway so um part of my sabbatical is um is also being a, a good lutheran and i notice on the calendar that um, after I left England, I could catch the end of Bachfest in Leipzig, where, where Bach had been cantor. And so I, I did go to Leipzig, and this is the Thomas Kirka where, where he, was, he was the cantor at the Thomas Kierke and Nikolai Kierke um, in, in Leipzig. And I was very, 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 very blessed to hear the St. John's Passion actually performed here. At, it was one of the highlights of Bachfest, uh, to be at, the, at this church. Where of course where, where the St. John's Passion was originally um, uh, performed, and it was a very wonderful thing. And whereas it was, and, and and the and the conductor of the, of the chorus and, and the and the overall producer of it was a guy who's a, who's a, the the of, of Morgan Dugan right here. So it's a, uh, so he is tall, something like this. I, do you have a reach deep baritone voice there, Morgan? So, yeah, yeah, for singing, for for the soloist, and so, so anyway, so I mean, this guy obviously had a great voice, but also he was the conductor and everything like this. So it, was, it was just uh, it was kind of kind of interesting. So be, be there. And again, this is the Thomas Kirika. Again, uh, this is the Nikolai Kirika. Now the now the irony is is that, is that the Thomas Kirika was the main church. The Nikolai Kirika is is more ornate, and that also Bach was the cantor there also. And they're you know, only a few blocks from each other. And I heard a concert there. This is the plaza outside of the Nikolai Kirika. And this is the plaza in 1989, where they'd have these prayer services in the Nikolai Kirche, and there were prayers for peace. And quickly, this obviously East Germany, and these services became bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and then the crowds would gather. And so you'd have 100,000 people in this plaza right here, and this really helped precipitate the fall of the Berlin Wall. So it's kind of interesting to be in places where various things happened in, in, in history. Uh, and obviously one, one problem with many of these, you know, I don't know what happened to these two particular churches, but one problem with many churches in, in Germany is that they're completely destroyed now, Have been completely rebuilt post-World War II. Um, but this is in Leipzig right, right here. So this plaza is, uh, is obviously outside of the very historic church for Bach, but also, and, and by the way, one thing about Bach is that his family moved to their, that region where Bach was, was raised at uh, like his grandfather, for confessional reasons. That his family has long standing as a confessional Lutheran family, so they, 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 they went to um, Eisenach, that's where Bach was born. That's why they settled in Eisenach for confessional reasons. So, so like his grandfather, or I, I can't remember, I think it was his grandfather, moved there just to be a confessional Lutheran. And so that's kind of Bach himself wrote everything to the glory of God. Yes? Yeah, it's a flowery stuff. I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a memorial. No, it's, it's, it's stone. It's, it's stone as painted. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So and this is just in Leipzig they have a museum to ancient instruments, because this is very much uh, I went there and partly, you know, at Bachfest. Now, the, I actually had to pay real money to hear the St. John's Passion, but they had tons of other concerts, for example, at this museum, free concert. It's just uh, in the middle of the afternoon. In the morning, I was at Nikolai Kirche for three bucks. And the first night I got there on the 16th at the Thomas Kirche, free con. Oh no, three bucks for another concert. So and it's just, so. So I love church music, and, and it's just a, a wonderful occasion for for me. Um, now this is in Dresden. This is the probably the most ornate Lutheran church that, that I know of in the world, the the Frauenkirche. Of course, this is completely rebuilt, completely rebuilt. But this was a historic Lutheran church rebuilt after because it was destroyed during the war. Of course, Dresden was the was the firebombing in Dresden where just thousands upon thousands upon thousands of, of, of people were killed towards the end of World War II, kind of indiscriminate firebombing of Dresden. Um yes. why well, are these churches called women's church? Now is that because of Mary? Yes. So it's Lutheran, but it's for Mary? Well not for well, just like we have St. Thomas, St. Paul's. Oh. So, I mean, so we have saints' churches all over the place. So, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, so Mary is is and Mary is honored because she is faithful to our Lord, not because she can do something for me right now. But but I mean, I, there's no problem having a Saint Mary's Lutheran Church, just like we have Saint Paul's Lutheran Church, Saint you know Thomas's Lutheran Church. You, you even have in Michigan very famous Lutheran Church in Franklin, Saint Lawrence Lutheran Church, and you know very very big Lutheran Church. Um, in the Missouri Senate. There's the Frauenkirche and the statue of Luther outside of it. I like the clouds and stuff like this. And Dresden's actually a very beautiful city. So now, speaking of churches though, in Leipzig on Sunday morning I, I attended um, the, the, the St. Lucas Church, Lucas Kirche, which is outside the downtown area. I had to take streetcars. This is our confessional sister church. Okay? Now this church, they are very blessed because this church is vacant, and they bought it essentially for a, a buck, right? Now, what's interesting about this church is I, I attended the German service there, and, and the pastor was good enough, because they, they get visitors there, that, that he actually had a, a translation of his sermon in English, so I was able to follow between his sermon and listening to him, follow along pretty good. And the liturgy I could follow along, the hymns I could follow along, but he actually gave the sermon, so about, about two-thirds of the sermon I, I, I was able to Pick up and stuff, just like follow what he was saying by looking at, at the English text right there. So, so, not too many people, but what's unusual is that they have a second service Persian. Persian. Many, many of our sister churches in Germany are doing great mission work with refugees in Europe, and they want to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, at the back of the church, they have all this great, you would recognize the titles from CPH. He said that they've been republished by Lutheran Heritage in. And I think it's Farsi, is that right? The language of Persia? So Farsi, all these great titles, like, like a child's garden of, of, of Bible stories, right? You know, the catechisms, you know, all this stuff in Farsi for the Persian, uh, these, these new Lutheran converts to, to use. So it's kind, of, kind of special to be there. Um, now this is, um, when I was in England, I um, visited the Westfield House. Westfield House is a Lutheran study center of the Lutheran Church of England. It's associated, with, it's next to Cambridge University associated with the University of Cambridge. So many Missouri Senate pastors have studied there and, and maybe done extensive studies there. For example, uh, Pastor Bruce at St. John's Wheaton. Um, I remember after he went from seminary, he went to, uh, to study at the Westfield House, um, and they have a room um, dedicated to the first uh, uh, head of the Westfield House, the Dr. Norman Nagel, who eventually came to the St. Louis Seminary and, and definitely, um, I am deeply indebted to, because he was such a fine professor, and so Christ-centered. And, and I don't know how many hundreds of Missouri Senate pastors would tell you the same thing, but the, the room at the Westfield House is there. Again, very small, but they're trying to make an influence at the University of Cambridge and be a Lutheran Studies Center right, right, right there. And then here's their church, very small, because it's, very, it's a chapel, essentially. Very small congregation. This is the actual congregation associated with Westfield House in in cambridge england but it's a real blessing there because they have opportunities to um, reach out to to university students as well as other people Um, it's a blessing because other people who are lutheran who are visiting cambridge stuff like this can't attend this 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 congregation right here and and the pastor goes and the particular sunday he goes i think once a month from 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 there in cambridge down to oxford also, a little mission church right there, and I think I talked to Adam Francisco, who studied at Oxford. That Adam was uh, was influential in starting that little uh, um, mission right right there at, at Oxford, where you could hear the gospel uh, um, preached and sacraments administered at at Oxford. So, did not want to show you that because. Um, Oh, yeah, so, so okay, okay. Because uh, the body and blood of Jesus Christ was very special, but, but when, in Vienna, you do have to have Wiener schnitzel, right? And that was real veal. And then breakfast, you know, um, in, in, when I was at a hotel in Germany, um, except in the sausages kind of and they look like our pork sausages, right? It tastes like meatloaf. And so, so and I, of course, Nutella, you know. I, uh, many years ago when I was visiting my, my sister, my sister had been a host, uh, she had gone, and spent a year, her senior year of high school, in the Netherlands. So I remember visiting her host family back in the 1980s. I got introduced to this stuff on bread for breakfast called Nutella. And so, so hooked ever since. So, so that's uh, just something. And then when Coburg, Coburg, I'm trying to find a German restaurant. But of course, my my schedule is oftentimes, I get into town late, et cetera, like this. So I wander in the main square. I can't find a German restaurant still open, right? You know, I, I, so, so I go to Chili's. <laughs> so so, so, so uh, um, there's a Mexican restaurant, and the, and the waitress looks like she could be Hispanic, except she's not. She's from Kosovo, you know. So again, the, which is in Azerbaijan, which is, you know, far, far east and heading towards Asia right here. But that's just to lighten up things because Pastor Schumacher can't be serious all the time, right? So, okay. Um, are there any questions or comments about about Luther and being a confessional Lutheran and why this is precious for the sake of the gospel. We want the gospel as truth and purity and the sacraments administered rightly, so I have certainty that I have Jesus and his forgiveness of sins and his eternal salvation. And so this is not to demean other Christians at all, but rather studying God's word, we are, we are faithful to that word, okay. Any other questions, comments? Because I do want in the, yes. 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 The Child's Garden of Verses in Farsi were partially funded by our L W L mites. So if you ever think about, you know, first Sunday of the month, the mite collections go to support missions that already exist for things like translations or whatever. And in this case, uh, the Farsi Child's Garden of Verses were partially uh, funded, and I just love that. You know, in Farsi, you know, people. Yeah, yeah, and I, I've seen the Child's Garden, I mean Lutheran Heritage, but it's great that LWML funds that, and of course Lutheran Heritage, uh, Lutheran Heritage Foundation has done yeoman's work in terms of translation. I don't know how many languages they've seen, and um, I actually had opportunity to, uh, to meet some of their, their writers uh, You know, at, at one point in time and find out their, their strategy and, and how they are able to produce so much in so many different languages that are so faithful with such a lean budget. But that's, that's something we've been supporting, like our Men's Bible Breakfast for 20 some odd years have been supporting uh, Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Um, this is another thing because Pastor Schumacher is, is a little scattered brain. And I now have, I'm in the modern age because just this past year I actually went to a laptop at Bethany rather than desktop. But this laptop needs to get from here to my office, so remind me to do that um, in, uh, at the end of the Bible class because I, 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 I need my computer um, later on. Um, so, okay, so there's no more questions about this. I did want to talk about um, a, a couple other, other things on this week. Yes, go ahead. Yes. And some of the other things that are now other Protestant things. Are face of the Bible, of course,
1: too,
0: but also for men's understanding yeah. And yeah. interpretations and everything else. He said, "No, God's word. and God's yeah. word only." Yeah, yeah. And so, so hence, my if my print and my teacher Luther is an exegete, you know. So, 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 so Luther is blessed to know the the word of God in Greek and Hebrew, and to be able to. And he taught that. You know, he bypassed the. He didn't, he knew the Church Fathers, but he bypassed that, he, he rather went back to the Word of God and, and translating the Bible, especially by 1534, having the whole Bible translated for the German people. And of course, the German Bible helped to unify the German language, you know, because there's no such thing as Germany to 1871. You know, you have all these independent states, and, and remember that, that quilt I showed you last week? You know, Germany is, is very mixed up in how they speak and their accents and stuff like this. They can barely understand each other. But the but the German Bible helps to unify the German people. But that's an aside because we really want to speak about Christ. Yes, go ahead. One more comment. Uh, I forgot where I've read this, but somebody mentioned that Luther read the Bible twice through the entire Bible every year. Yeah. He was knowledge. Yeah. I don't know. they would tell me if it was in Germany, or the words in the original language just because he I, I don't, you know, and, and he could have been reading the Bible. I mean, Luther knew it very well. And Luther, Luther, by the way, was a bright guy, too. I mean, so but he read the Bible extensively. And so, um, especially certain books, you know, the book of Galatians, obviously, but, but he knew the Psalms inside and out because as a, in, the, in the cloister, you had to go through the Psalms on a regular basis every day. So I was like every two weeks or every month, you'd go through all, all 150 of them. So I did pass out a little sheet. Um, just to talk a little bit about, about how, how, uh, the, how I approach the sabbatical. Um, now, now, to an extent, this is a time of, of personal renewal for service in God's kingdom, but God has, has given me um, opportunity to serve in various aspects of, of kingdom. So we speak in ter- as Lutherans in terms of two kinds of righteousness. You'll find this especially in the preface of Luther's commentary on Galatians, this later one, 1535. But here's, here's what Luther says. Lutherans believe there are two dimensions of being a human creature, or two relationships that define human nature. The first d- dimension defines man's relationship with God, and second defines man's relationship with his human neighbors and the rest of God's creation. In the former, we receive righteousness before God through faith on account of Christ. The latter we achieve righteousness in the eyes of the world by works when we carry out our God-given responsibilities. In other words, before God, our righteousness is entirely passive. This is Luther's great gospel breakthrough. That is the righteousness of God given to me by, in Christ through word and sacrament. And so my righteousness before God is entirely Christ's righteousness upon me. I can't save myself It's by grace alone through faith alone. But now, as his baptized children, I've been placed in this age to be righteous before the world, before, with others, and also with his creation. So, so this is an act of righteousness as the baptized child. Again, not to merit anything, but as service to the Lord. Okay, and so, so as I approach my, my thing, so, so perhaps you might... There. So, so... Um, I've been at Bethany many years, so, so the idea of the sabbatical, has been something, thought about it, but, but it'd be good, I, I thought it'd be a good idea. Okay, um, the Lord has given me the joy of being a pastor. I love being pastor. I, I love telling people about Jesus, you know, because, I mean, what, what better, I mean, for example, I mean, I, you know, and be able to read the Word, and then and then at the community rail today, to be, be able to distribute the body of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. What a joy that is! What a joy that is! Or to be at the bedside of, of somebody, you know, be at, at somebody in hospice a little bit later on, or to go visit Richard Groth up in Bartlett this past week and deliver the Lord's Supper to him. Um, to to speak consolation to somebody who's lost a dear loved one, uh, no, at, at least two different people this morning before church. You know, speak as as, as, as God's pastor. Okay, so so I, I love being a pastor, and and the idea of retiring is, is I I don't understand that word, right? And so and so, but but for for my sake and for the sake of Bethany, to be renewed because I am I am a little bit older than when I came here, right? 24 years. And so, so be renewed for continuous service. So, so, so the long and short of it, people, some people said, you know, I, I hope you're, you're sabbatical. It doesn't mean you're going to be leaving us. No, no. You, you are, as the Lord wills, you will have to have me serving you with Christ's Word for a while. Okay? Does that, is that understood? Okay. So, so, but I have vocations in terms of being husband, father, and, and grandfather. Um, and so his husband, you know, Amy and I spent a little, we were able to get away a little bit. Now we did go up to Minnesota to be with her mom for, for, for a couple weeks this summer, but we also, Amy and I did, did take a separate uh, trip. We went up there by St. Joe's, Michigan. Uh, father, spending time with my own two children, very blessed to have my grown children in the area. And so that is a special um, blessing because um, I, I left Concordian Arbor, right? in 1978. I'd spent a couple summers, a few summers in Georgia, but outside of that, you know, parishes, think about Savannah, Georgia, Sulphur, Louisiana, Uh, Northeast Ohio, uh, Austintown, Ohio, Northwest Ohio, near Hamlin, Ohio, near near Toledo, and here I am in Chicago, Illinois, Naperville, and so long ways away from Savannah, Georgia. And my, my wife's parents up in Minnesota, and especially they're two and a half hours north of the Twin Cities. So we have an advantage of being close to our children now with, with, with three young grandchildren, and so spending time with them, and, and thinking in terms of how I better can serve them. So some of the stuff I've been reading are, are, are a little bit longer term stuff about uh, education, et cetera, this, and raising children in, in the faith. Um, so I already talked about as pastor, to serve you, you know, I focus on, on Christ, especially working on, on Hebrew and also also Greek, you know, um, but to an extent also working, you know, being in Germany, also working in, in German, reading the Bible more in German, reading the Catechism more in German uh, to understand exactly, you know, a little, little bit of the, the, our own Lutheran heritage. Devotional reading, there's uh, just—we uh, have a tremendous heritage of devotional reading, especially reading a lot of Gerhard. Gerhard is a, is a seventh, early 17th century um, Lutheran uh, pastor and, and uh, for example, is Meditations on Divine Mercy. You know, just reading these things, they just ooze the Christian faith. And then I read also, I can't remember the other title, but I did read that whole whole one. Also, a newer book, uh, CPH, Grace Upon Grace. How many of you have ever seen this by CPH? Uh, if you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. Um, 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 an Australian guy named John Kleinick wrote that, but he's also come written a new book about the human body uh, um, fearfully, I think, wonderfully made, and I, I just received that. Uh, I did a lot of theological reading, um, and, and, and to read is for your sake, okay? For example, uh, um, I think um, um, Dr. Francisco led the, the theology that through the abolition of man, right? As I think some of you went to that, right? Abolition of man. Well, uh, an English scholar named Michael Ward has written a commentary on that because when you read Abolition of Man, it's a, it can be a heavy slog, right? It's a little bit tough. It's tough, but it's so important because it, what C.S. Lewis was writing in the 1940s about has come true, has come true. Have we destroyed the idea of what it means to be human? And so and so, I'm reading reading this. I didn't finish that in the summer, um, I, okay. Read a book called Myth Made Fact, and this is very influential for, for C.S. Lewis. And, um, and so the outside world says that your faith and my faith is just another myth, right? Well, let's turn it on its head. Maybe the the uh, all these views, for example, all these different flood accounts and stuff of like this, are not they're obviously wrong because they they come from a biblical perspective. But maybe because there is the the truth of the flood, and the Bible gives us the true account. Does that make sense? And so you you have other other things right here that that in other words that 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 all these other myths are wrong. They're preferred. They're cr- they're mixed up, but they, they might show that that, that, there is, that behind all this, there is, there, is, there is God. But to really know God, you need to know his word. So that was another book I, I, I read, um, Serpents in the Classroom, I'm currently reading. I uh, listened to a lot of stuff in history. Um, you know, why England, Scotland, and Wales? Why did I travel there? One, I had never been there, right? You know, number two, um, what's the heritage of the United States of America and the culture we live in right now? It's, it's, it comes largely from, from England. And so, and so to understand kind of what's going on here, to understand how we got here, right? And so, and so the more you study, for example, English history helps explain why are there regional differences, you know? Because those who came from the United Kingdom and settled in the South versus those who came to New England, right? those who came to the early states. And so, so there's, there's a depth of history right here that, that's very important to understand, to understand our current status in the United States. But it's also very interesting being in Europe in the month of June. Why is it interesting being, it's not necessarily a good reason. Pride month, yes, yes. And I, I, I hesitate to use that word, pride, you know, other than pride goes before the fall, you know. So, so, so for example, I'm, I'm, I'm in Wittenberg, on a Saturday, and I hear music. Well, I like music, but, but it's not in the main square, which is good. It's not in the main square. But then all of a sudden, I, I look at the billboard and say, no. No, it was a, it was a, it was a music festival for, for Pride Month. And, and the worst was Vienna. I mean, Vienna was just a scream, like, push it down your, your throat right right there. But, uh, but to understand how this happened, you know, and this is um, um, a book for anyone who's interested in reading. I read this earlier, last, earlier in the year. Uh, it's a and maybe I've talked about this strange new world, strange new world, a, a guy out of Grove City College uh, named Carl Truman, because he speaks the truth, right? so it's a um, gonna, he wrote a rather academic book. you know, how did we get from a situation where you know largely Western Christian culture to, to where somebody could could state that that I'm a man in a, a woman's body. How did this happen, which would have been nonsensical talk, you know? even a relatively short time ago. How did this happen in Western culture, right? So he traces this in kind of layman's term. And obviously it's a riff on, on Huxley's Brave New World, but Strange New World, if you, if you want to read it, it's only like 150 pages long, but I would commend uh, most people to read that, that, that book. Um, also, um, you know, one, one thought, especially summers are really good, good time to be outside. Um, you know, keeping up as in terms of recreation, you always have to look at that word recreation. Oftentimes, especially in the United States of America, recreation actually is more a form of destruction because recreation is is something that takes somebody away from the divine service. Does that make sense? You know, people go off and they do their recreation. In fact, I mean, you know, what's the likelihood that you get a good um that that you could just walk up at, at tamarack right now or 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 springbrook and get a good tea time right now i mean it's on, on sunday morning a daylight like today a, you know so so but but oftentimes our our, our forms of recreation is taking us away from the creator himself so if you look at the word it's to be created anew um and so and so it is important to take care of ourselves to appreciate god's creation i love being in in, in nature Etc. Like, like this, um, but also God has given me a body, so so renewed exercise. And so, so when I was in Europe, you know, half tower will climb, right? You know, or to Coburg, Coburg Castle is 450 feet above the the level of the village. It's a very very long hike to get up to Coburg Castle, and very very strenuous. And uh, but every, you know have, and, and, and to do this obviously involves you know my my constant walking and stuff like like this um and then also taking time and and doing some relaxation you know i mean i i i have a tendency not to relax right you know so so to read things for for fun um a couple things i'm reading for fun right now is that is uh during COVID i had started um david copperfield having an excellent novel you know But, and I got about 300 pages in, then I have kind of put it aside, and then it's going to start picking up again. However, it's like 850 pages long, so. However, when I got back, who are all these characters? So I decided, I start from the beginning, and I'm about, I'm about page 500 right now. But I was, you know, I don't read novels anymore. I tend to read articles, and I tend to read books, right? And so I I, I do set, I try to set aside every night now, uh, not every night, but... Like, like, last night was an off night, okay? It's Saturday night. So, but try I said it's like every night, I try to do like half an hour of, of theological reading in depth, and I have various things that, that, I, that I do. And I say, that could be, that could be you know, a, a wide variety of things. For example, uh, Tom Holland's Dominion, which traces the influence, the positive influence of Christianity on Western culture from the, from the pagan Roman culture, Greco-Roman culture, as devaluing of human life, to why do we even have the value of human life? Now, Tom Holland is not what you call Orthodox Christian, but it's a very valuable book. And so that's earlier this year I read through, through Tom Holland's Dominion. It's a very wonderful book, wonderful book to see the positive influence of the Christian faith um, in, in that. So, so do that, but then I'm also reading For Pleasure, David Copperfield, and read other things. I'm also Semi-Pleasure, it's so also For the Sake of My Grandchildren, reading Aesop's Fables. However, the problem with the Aesop's fables is, I don't know if I really want to read all those fables to my grandchildren. Some of them are quite, quite frightening, but it's, a, but Aesop's fables, uh, Luther himself was very, very, very stressed strongly that all children should be exposed to Aesop's fables because they oftentimes teach good morality, right? you speaking about the kingdom of, of the left. Okay, so I've whisked through a lot of stuff right here. Um, and probably too quickly, because I know my speech cadence is very fast, so I apologize, especially to those online that, that can't see things. Are there other questions or comments that you would like me to, to, to speak about right, right now in terms of sabbatical, um, my intentions, what I learned, um, and how I can better serve you with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Any questions or comments? So, um, One thing I, I did. One thing I did learn is, is that uh, it's, a, it's it's very uh, the, the frustrating part is, is oftentimes with my studies in Germany outside of meeting with Dr. Kolb, was was a little bit lonely because I'm by myself and I and I I don't like being by myself you know I like to be with my my family and or and, and or friends you know because Paul was with me in, in England Scotland and Wales that was kind of great and then but but then that outside of two days with Dr. Kolb, I was uh, pretty much by myself, and, that, and, and I don't like that a whole lot. Um, um, it's interesting watching, you know, when you, when you see uh, um, all these uh, English, like, home improvement in German is kind of interesting, so it's, uh, you know, uh, you know or, uh, or they have this, uh, um, Bert de Brot, you know, it's, it's, uh, the Germans have this cartoon, car- no, it's not a cartoon, it's like, a, it's like almost like a muppet, you know, of a piece of bread. You know, and so you see it on the children's channel. That was kind of interesting. So in your airfare, you see this big slice of bread, you know, with the face on it in in the one of the main squares. I thought it was kind of funny right there. So uh, any questions or comments? Yes, go ahead. Pastor, what was the most unexpected thing that you learned in your sabbatical? The most unexpected thing I learned in my sabbatical. The most thing, uh-huh, moment or something. Like that? Um, I think. I think. One thing that, that helped me was was exploring more, especially in my time at Wittenberg talking to Dr. Kolb, is is that it's not only Luther, but those who are around him, such as Melanchthon and Buchenhagen. Um, uh, Dr. Kolb, was, I asked him, what is he researching right now? He's actually not, not, not researching Luther right now, uh, but a close associate of the other Martin, Martin Chemnitz. There's another pastor, uh, and I have it written. Um, and, he wrote me the name and I forget it, but but he's doing it right. He's supposed to write a book about how influential this other Lutheran pastor was working alongside of Martin Chemnitz. So so without these other other people, and, and I'll throw in the Catherine von Bora. You know, when you read her, all that she did for Luther, I mean, the guy's a scatterbrain as far as running a household. He would have gone broke, right? You know, but but Katie manages the household very, very well, and she's a true blessing to Lutheran, of course. But but I think exploring the depth of, of of like Bugenhagen, who's the pastor at St. Mary's there, the, the, the city church, um, going through, and I did not, um, I did not, when I was there on the, t- the 500th anniversary, I did not go through the Melanchthon house. I did that this time. I went through the chronic house this time. It was, those were very, help, very helpful things also. So I think exploring the depth of the Reformation, I think, was, was quite helpful, um, and to do that. And then also to see, and, 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 that, and I take that back, yeah, I think the most special thing I, was, was to be in the divine service at at the at the church next to the westfield house to be at lucas kirka in leipzig and then to be at the at the chapel at the old latin school in, in 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 wittenberg and by the way the wittenberg old Latin school i was not able to get housing to tell you this because of ukrainian refugees they have a ukrainian lutheran service there later on in the morning and i and i did get to meet a couple ukrainians there and to so, to to the sense of of that we're brothers and sisters in christ and and the scope of time and then to be for example in places like like where bach was or where luther was to be in these places and understand there's the same gospel of jesus christ And again not to create magic about these places but it helps me understand this great heritage that the lord has given to us and that and and now to be faithful to that because we step here we're in such an artificial environment i mean you understand Okay, and I got like, and I've read the deed when we bought the property when we built the gym right here. I think, I think, uh, I, Susan, were you at the, uh, were you at the day school when you're when you at uh, on up there in Washington? Yes. yes, yes. And so you remember coming to the gym, right? Well, we bought this property in Modaf, of course, it's named after the Modaf farm. It was Bethany's responsibility to remove the chicken house. <laughs> and, and and so so to be a suburban American, and I am a child of suburban America. You know, we moved from, from the Twin Cities of Minnesota, suburb, to Savannah, Georgia, largely, you know, and a Missouri Sanctuary congregation largely made up by the military or people from other areas, right? I mean, so, and so without roots. And so it's very hard in an artificial environment to understand roots. And so, and so most of all, most of all, I think I would commend to you the Word of God. When God speaks, we listen. When we are not students of the Word, when we we really don't want to learn the Word, we're saying, shut up, Jesus. It's not a wise thing to say, right? So so to learn the Word of God. But I think it's extremely, extremely important to to know history, to know history. Now, alongside of history, you get to know, when you know history, you kind of know the context in which things are written, things are given, and stuff like this. And so it's just utterly fascinating to, to understand how blessed we are at, at times, how difficult our situation is. Very, there is almost no norm now. To raise children in this is very difficult, which is all the more reason why we must teach these children, whether it's in our day school or in Sunday school, our classes, but also to teach parents so we can raise these children in the faith, but also for us to continue in the word of Christ so that we would be faithful to the end. But also we want to spread this word because we want more people to know Jesus Christ um, and In the confession of absolution, we confess that we sinned against God in what? In thought, word, and deed. And we deserve his what? Temporal and what? Eternal punishment. To know, to, to know that I deserve God's wrath in hell it's a terrifying thing. Which is why I flee to him for mercy. And therefore, to know the forgiveness of sins given in the absolution, to hear proclaimed in the gospel and to receive it on my mouth, The lord's supper is what a blessing i have eternity with jesus and he is now my redeemer and lord and the joy of being in the presence of jesus is is so immeasurable but most people don't have that they're lost and they need jesus and so we're to be light in the world but to be that light we must grow in our own roots roots in the word of christ to see that that being a confessional lutheran is entirely in line with the, the Word of Christ, and then to see how I can serve God and my neighbor in the vocations where God has placed me. I don't have to go out there, way out there, and, uh, and, and, and you know, and travel to Peru, et cetera, like this, and give up all this. My neighbor is right there with me, and and my brothers and sisters of Christ are always here with me. Okay. Thank you, thank you for the, the, the question that you allowed me to, to speak on. Any other questions or comments before I I, I get on. I'll be teaching the high school youth next week, and that's going to be an exciting thing. So no, I hey, I, I love these kids. They need to hear about Jesus. You know, high school is. I mean, you know, I think my high school is bad, right? You know, and it was. I mean, I, I reflect back on my high school and, and going to, a, and going to a state university my freshman year, and there's a lot of bad stuff there, really bad stuff. I reflect back on it, and uh, it just was horrible. It's just horrible, very very non-Christian. But now what these kids have to face. Well, it's, it's, to the nth degree, much more than, than when I was in school. So, so I have opportunity next week to, to speak to them about Jesus and to help bring the gospel to them. And Pastor Clemens going to bring the gospel to you. Any other questions, comments?